Hi, guys. Welcome to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. We are here weekly working at simplifying things in our lives one simple step at a time, one day at a time. I'm your host, Michelle Visser, and I'm glad you're here. Today is our second bonus episode for the holidays, taking a little break from our season that's happening. Lots of guests lined up to dive into, to re-dive into our season come January. So please don't miss those episodes. Some really great ones coming your way. But today we're talking about family traditions around the holidays, things to help the family stay focused on what's important, keep things simple, um, make the holidays meaningful, make them fun, all those good things rolled into one. When I mentioned I was going to be talking about this over on Instagram, um, a few of you sent me your thoughts. By the way, I love the fact that Instagram makes it so easy for us to connect, and I love it that you guys can so easily do that over there. Um, here's a few things. Someone told me they wrapped their cabinets like Christmas presents every year. Now there's a festive kitchen for you. Um, someone mentioned having a live Christmas tree that they plant after the holidays. I love that. We did that with each of our daughters first Christmas. Um, a different Advent devotional gets read every year, reading the Christmas story out of the Bible before opening presents. Um, others did that on Christmas Eve. They've told me. Uh, before Christmas, we select gifts for children in need and food for their families. So that's a great way to think about others instead of ourselves. Oh, this one I loved. We have a nativity set and a star. And each night we hide the star and the kids find it in the morning. And then they get to move the wise men closer to the nativity scene. How cool is that? So I guess then on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, maybe the wise men finally reach the stable and baby Jesus. And what a cute, cute way for kids to have something fun to do and look forward to and a great way to count down to Christmas. So those are such fun ideas. Uh, okay. I have a list because I knew I'd forget things. By the way, I asked my daughters their thoughts. Um, three of them were able to get back to me before I hit the record button. So <laughs> I have three daughters insights. Um, but here's what I thought was really interesting. All of them individually said to me, well, I mean, we didn't really have a lot of traditions, did we? Or, you know, I don't really remember a lot of traditions, <laughs> which I think you'll see after I break down the traditions that I remember that we did. Um, we did have a lot of holiday traditions. And if I went back to each of them, today or tomorrow and said, well, what about this? I remember this, 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 and this. I'm sure that I'll be like, oh yeah, well, we did that. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's the beauty of traditions. Like it's, it's just kind of ingrained into what you do, who you are, what your family is about. And as the kids grow up, they don't even really necessarily realize that, well, you mean everybody doesn't do that or <laughs> whatever the case. Um, so I thought that was just kind of interesting. It, it could have discouraged me, of course, on one hand, because it's like, what do you mean? I worked hard to make all these traditions special, but it really didn't. That's not the way I saw it. I just, like I said, saw it as, um, hmm, that's interesting that it all just was natural to them. It wasn't even really a big deal, which is cool. So one thing we would do a lot of, and, and a lot of these things are simply out of necessity, simply because we didn't have a lot of money to spend on the holidays. Um, one thing we did a lot of was natural Christmas decorating, just getting things out of nature. 
I have birch bark garlands. I have dried oranges that have survived over the years and I make new ones every year. I have salto ornaments, so many salto ornaments. Those are a little trickier to get them to survive. You do have to package them very carefully when you put your ornaments away. Um, and then evergreen, we collect a couple, two, we have three different kinds of evergreen growing on our property and we'll collect the different ones for different uses for making garlands or wreaths or just even putting in the windows or, you know, laying around different spots just for pretty greenery, um, for decorating. So I, I, I bet you I have spent very little over the past three decades <laughs> on Christmas decorating because there are so many things you can do that are so pretty just using things in nature. Um, when the girls were little, they all made everyone's Christmas deck or Christmas gifts. Sorry. And again, this was out of necessity. I did not have the funds for everybody to go shopping for every member of the family and pick out something. I, I just didn't. We were single income family. So and it is hard to be thrifty also with, well, okay, let's think of something really fun to make that your sister's going to love. But, you know, and I didn't say this part, but in my mind, I'm thinking that I can source the materials needed, you know, at a discount or, or free even, or where can I get the things we need to make X, Y, or Z. So it definitely wasn't easy and it definitely took time. We did homeschool. So most of December as they were growing up was often devoted to either Christmas, like holiday themed unit studies and or preparing things for others for Christmas or you know, for family members. And there was a whole lot of crafting going on and it was a lot of fun. It is hard as they get older, you know, they reach, you reach a certain point that starts phasing out a little bit because it's, it's just no longer possible when you have, you know, like a 17 year old sister who can make everything herself to try and think of something you can make her, that's going to be really awesome that she's going to love. So eventually we got to a point that that started phasing out and things became, they morphed a little bit and, um, you know, the whole family dynamics and money dynamics changed too. But when they were young, that was super fun. And I think it's a great way to get the kids' minds off of their own list and what they want, but, and thinking more about others and what could I do for someone else? So speaking of that, we went to our local nursing home every holiday season. This is not something we did on our own. This was a big group effort. We ran a homeschool co-op. I believe there were anywhere from like 12 to 15 families at any given time. And we would get together. We'd prepare ahead of time. The kids would be ready to sing some hymns. And the kids would craft something to take, whether it was like an ornament or like a little door hanger or something to give to each person we visited and a plate of cookies to give to each person, just a small plate of cookies. So we would bake the cookies together. We'd make the craft together. We'd practice the song and then we'd go and we'd spend a few hours at the nursing home. We told them we were coming ahead of time. They looked forward to it every year. They would, you know, plan it on their calendar and they'd bring all the residents to the group gathering room and we'd do our little performances and spend time with the residents. And then the ones that couldn't come to that room for whatever reason, they weren't feeling well or they weren't mobile, we would then walk around that floor on the nursing home and deliver things to the, the room bound residents. And that was always a lot of fun. I remember as a kid, when I quote unquote had to go to a nursing home to visit grandparents, I didn't look forward to it. I really was kind of scared by it. It didn't smell good. Like there was a lot of things I just didn't like about it, but I never had our kids complain about nursing home visits. I don't know. They saw it as very fun. 
And I think because it was revolving around the holidays too, it made a difference because it was just super fun. And, and it's a great time of the year to be thinking about focusing on others. Um, okay. In their rooms, a decoration that we had that I did not make that we did purchase was a mini Christmas tree. Each girl had their own Christmas tree and they could make their own ornaments. They made ornaments for each other. Sometimes they would ask for certain ones that were purchased. They each had their own unique kind of garlands. Some had colored lights, some had white lights, some had blinking lights, (laughs) but they could do whatever they wanted to decorate this small tree. It was probably maybe two feet high, um, a mini tree in their room. And those usually were the very first decorations to come out every year. They loved that. We also did, in addition to our regular family tree, we had a reading tree. And this was filled with filled with ornaments that related to books that we were reading throughout the year. And we would add, we'd make new ornaments all different times of the year, knowing that this will go on our reading tree next Christmas. So that was just a really fun way for them to do book reports and to really think of something unique about the story that they could craft something around to make a memorable ornament. So that was an artificial tree we had that was loaded with ornaments revolving around so many different books that they read over the years. And that was always, I think that was always my favorite tradition, honestly. But I mean, I'm speaking as a homeschool mom, so of course. (laughs) Um, What else? We did traditional countdown advent calendar kind of thing where every day a different child would pick out, you know, something out of a pocket and we'd be counting down to Christmas. But we also did something a little non-traditional. We had a paper garland that I would use in different ways. I'd use it as a decoration or string it around a wreath on the table or something. And we would reuse it. So I didn't remake this every year, but on the back of each piece of paper that made up the garland was either a verse or part of the Christmas story or a thought related to Advent, like something different to be read every day. So for our countdown that morning, each day, a different daughter would get to open up the chain and we'd read what was on the chain for that week. Um, And then at dinner time, we would read our Advent reading and we'd light the Advent candle. We'd have an Advent wreath on our table and we'd light the candle every night at dinner time. Um, oh, <laughs> this, I think I remember in my memory, this one I'm going to tell you next was our daughter's favorite thing that we did. They would look forward to it. They'd plan it out. They'd ask for it. It was our night that we would go around looking at Christmas tree lights. We would get in the car, but the best part that they loved was we would put our PJs on first and we would fill up individual thermoses with hot chocolate. Then I'd have a refill jug too. So we could also refill our drinks depending on how long we were out. But Bill would drive around and around. We would sometimes be out for hours looking at all the Christmas lights and we would kind of do our own little voting. We never actually stopped and like gave a prize to a house, but we talked about it many years. I don't know why we didn't think it'd be kind of fun to actually walk up to the house, knock on the door and say, you want our family's prize and give them a little trophy or something. (laughs) But that was super fun. And it was so simple and it cost nothing. But like I said, I think it's what they look forward to the most every year. Um, On Christmas morning, 
we have ornaments that have still survived to this day. I can't believe it that they made when they were young using just pieces of Christmas cards that we would we cut out circles and made a six-sided ornament out of these circles, like folding flaps on each side of the circle and gluing them together so you have an ornament and leaving one flap unglued so it could be opened on Christmas morning and there could be some sort of a treat inside. I did try to vary it, but you know, it could just be a piece of hard candy, a lifesaver. It could be a little note for each one telling them where another treasure is, but that was fun. And then I would hide it Christmas Eve so they'd have to find their own ornament. But the thing they would search for first that I also hit on Christmas Eve was the pickle. It's a German tradition. My maiden name is Koskamp. I'm a German heritage. And I, it's just a German tradition that hundreds of years ago, they would hide a pickle on the tree. Of course, it was a real pickle back then. Ours is definitely not a real one, um, but it's just an ornament in the shape of a pickle. And as the girls got older, I made it much more complicated to find it. And of course, it's green, the color of the tree, so it's definitely hard to find anyway. But whoever spies the pickle first on Christmas morning gets a very special gift. That also would vary every year. I'd have it wrapped up. It could be something as simple as a pair of new socks or a new book that you know any of them would like, or maybe a, um, a ticket to go do something special with mom or dad or, you know, sky's the limit. You can be creative, but that was something they always really looked forward to. Um, <clears throat> this year, I actually have two pickles. So I'm wondering how that's going to go. Once the one is found, if they'll realize to keep looking, you'll see. Um, okay. Keep breakfast simple on Christmas morning. It's always our tradition to have something that's ready, pre-made the night before, and then we just pop it in the oven and the girls start opening their stockings and breakfast is smelling wonderful in the kitchen. And it was no work on my part whatsoever. Usually it is simple breakfast coffee cake. I actually will share my recipe for that if you would like to try that this Christmas morning. Super good. It uses yogurt, so it's very moist. It has lots of wonderful cinnamon topping on top. It's just really good. Um, okay. I saved till the end. Have I gone through everything? I know there was more. I'm sure I'm forgetting things. I'm sure an hour after I record this, I'm going to be like, I can't believe I didn't think of blank because there are so many. But Okay. I've saved till the end, the three daughters that I heard back from, I reached out and I said, without even thinking, don't give it thought, just quick, give me an answer. What was your favorite childhood tradition around Christmas time? So Haley told me this one I hadn't even thought of at all, but right away she said, the wrapped presents in the stocking. I love opening my stocking. And she said, and you know, I've just recently learned I don't think many people do that, mom. Like, I can't imagine not having wrapped presents in your stocking. And then literally her words, lame. (laughs) So again, it comes back to, it was a necessity for me that I had very few presents to wrap for the girls, but we could afford fun stocking stuffers. And I would always wrap them because otherwise there'd be not a lot of unwrapping to do on Christmas morning, but why not have a lot of unwrapping? That's like a really fun thing, right? So yeah, that, I thought that was really funny that that's what she thought of. Speaking of that, I'm going to pause from my daughter's list to tell you 
Um, I should have had this on my list and I didn't. I, I actually, I'm curious to know, leave a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment there. Or if you're just following on audio and you do follow me on Instagram, take a second to, to go over to Instagram and tell me, cause I really, really want to know, does your family go through and all open up at once in one big, quick, you're done display? Or do you sit and watch and everybody sees what everybody else is opening as you go around? Because I grew up the first way. And as soon as we had kids and there were not a whole lot of presents to go around, I I wanted very much so to extend this as much as I could because (laughs) I wanted them to treasure every tiny bit. So we would go around. Um, And then stockings was the one thing that we're like, oh, no, you can just go for it. Everybody, it's time to open your stockings. And they would all go through them together, often because they got the same things. They each got a toothpaste. They each got a lip gloss. They each got a toothbrush, you know, (laughs) some really practical things, but they each would usually get the same thing. So that wouldn't be as fun to watch each other open. Um, But anyway, I'm just really curious which that you do and why. So let me know. Okay, back to my list. Kayla told me, and this is what I would say, the one thing, if something had to come to my mind quickly, that I would say every family should consider doing because it was such a special tradition, is what Kayla replied. She said, putting baby Jesus in the manger on Christmas Eve. You see, we have a nativity set that Jesus is separate from the manger. And I kid you not, whenever I look at a nativity scene, it's it's the first thing I look at. Can you take Jesus out of the nativity? Because that's important to me. (laughs) And I believe it or not, I think about 80%, maybe more of nativity scenes, Jesus is connected to the manger and it's, it's one piece. You can't take him out. And I'm like, that's not good because when the girls were very little, it was my way of physically showing them we're celebrating the birth of Christ And the days leading up to Christmas, we're anticipating his birth. So he's not in the manger. The manger is empty and we are waiting and longing for and anticipating his arrival. As they got older, we could talk about how that is just like the Jews, the ones who don't know Christ and don't know that he has come and the Messiah truly has risen. Those who don't know that, they're still longing. It's like the manger has been empty all this time and they're still longing. Or, you know, we talk about the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament and how they longed for the promised Messiah, but everything was quiet. There were not even any prophets telling them what was happening. And we talk about how sad that would be, just like it's so sad to look at our nativity scene and the manger is empty. I mean, when's he coming? So it was just, a, a for me, a really fun way to talk about so many things related to Christ and his coming. And it was super fun because every Christmas Eve we would get home from church and, you know, there's so much excitement and so much eagerness to give presents and open and, and to kind of, um, counterbalance that instead, what we got all excited about was it's time, it's time to put Jesus in the manger. And we had music instruments that I would use as a storyteller. I had a whole big basket full of musical instruments for kids. And when the kids were little, they loved this. But even when they were teens, this was just what we did. And it was fun. Like it genuinely was fun. Um, 
I would pull out my basket of music instruments and they'd be shaking their maracas or, you know, they'd choose whatever instrument they want. And by the way, we would take turns that every fourth year, it was another daughter's turn to put Jesus in the manger. And we literally had a piece of paper that went with our nativity set that would mark off each year, which daughter did it. So we knew whose turn it was. I mean, that's how big this was. <laughs> and whoever's turn it was would hold Jesus. I would go get him out of where I had hid him away because nobody even knew where baby Jesus was. I would go get him, present it to the daughter who it was her year. She would lead the parade. We would all have our instruments, Bill and I included. And okay, maybe not Bill. Some years I think Bill joined. I think a lot of years Bill just liked watching. <laughs> we'd all have our instruments and we'd march around the house and we'd sing at the top of our lungs, joy to the world. A savior has come. And we had the first chorus memorized of that. And then we got to the end. Sometimes we'd go around two or three times before we finished singing. And then we got to the end and that daughter got to put Jesus in the manger. Some years we had the manger up kind of high, like on a, on the uh, back of the piano. And I remember it was Haley's turn, my youngest, to put Jesus in. And she would, she climbed up, you know, to get to that height and put him in so delicately. So anyway, that was Kayla's favorite memory. And I'm with her. And Jordan told me, she's like, you know, the first thing that comes to mind are those lights. I loved those lights. And I'm like, what lights are you talking about? She's like the sparkling ones. And I'm still like, and I named off a few different things. She said, no, no. And then she described the stripes on them. And I went, I know exactly what you mean. And we still have a few of them left, but they were glass balls that had glittery, different colored stripes around them. And I had four strands of them. I got them in an after Christmas clearance sale at Pottery Barn one year, probably 25 years ago, <laughs> maybe not that long, 20 years ago. Um, and I got one strand for each daughter thinking they could put it in their room and that would be a room decoration for them. But a couple of problems with that. One is they were glass bulbs. And after one year, we no longer had four complete strands. But also the girls really didn't want that. They wanted them on the stairwell because that was the most obvious place to put decorations. When we walked in our living room, the stairs were right in front of you. And they loved them so much. They wanted them to be very obvious for all of our guests and everyone to see. So they would always combine their strands. And over the years, we'd go down to two full strands. And then we went down to, I think we just had one full strand for a while. Now, like I said, we have just a few bulbs. I, don't, I, I think I probably got rid of them a few years ago. Um, but she said, I remember putting them on the stairs and using the red berries because I had artificial strands of red berries on twigs. Um, that sounds odd, but it's very pretty. I still have them. I also got them in a 90% off Christmas sale one year. And she said, the combination I just thought was so pretty. And she loved that she was actively involved in putting that decoration up. Over the years, it's obvious now looking back that that really was her favorite thing because she eventually took that over. And she's always the one who decorates the stairs if she's in town. Sure enough, this year she did it again. Unfortunately, we don't have those glittery lights anymore. She just put regular old red, not red, white <laughs> sparkle lights on the red berries. But So that's everything that my little brain has thought of at this point. And I hope there's something in there that has inspired you. Maybe one or two things that you hadn't thought of that you'd like to start doing with your family. And before I close this out, I want to share something with you I read in my Advent reading. Turn this light on so I can see. 
This is what I, sh- I shared last podcast episode. The love came down at Christmas Advent from Sinclair Ferguson. This is near the end of the reading. It's the last chapter, actually. He shares this. In the incarnation, the Son of God became a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Isaiah 53. But we are not justified or adopted into God's family or sanctified or glorified simply because the Son of God shared our flesh and our sorrows. Yes, that means he can sympathize with us and our weaknesses because he experienced it. But he came to accomplish much more, something we could never do for ourselves. He came to die for us. Only when we can say he was wounded for our transgressions have we grasped the meaning of the gospel and the wonder of love. This is what we should never forget on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. The Son of God was born for us in order to die for us. When we see that, then we've begun to understand love with a capital L. And then we discover the joyful truth of these words written by John Donne. And this is how I'm going to end this today. Whom God loves, he loves to the end, and not to their end and to their death, but to his end. And his end is that he might love them more. For this reason, guys, love came down to us at Christmas. I hope you have a very blessed holiday. And I hope that you join me back here. We will take a few weeks break for the holidays. And then please join me back here. We will be continuing on in this great season of things that we really should make sure are in our diet daily and some details that we don't know about these important things. So that's it. I am so glad you're here. As always, I really appreciate it. And as always, if you take a second to go leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to me and genuinely um, make a difference and help with our reach here on this platform. So thanks for listening, guys. And remember, it's easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So enjoy the simple, everyday efforts. It's not easy, but it's a good life.